Can I share my quick anecdote about Don't Ask, Don't Tell? It is it is uh, one of my earliest like queer shout it to the rooftop kind of things. Um, when I was in high school, uh, I grew up super goddamn poor. And so my assumption was I'd never be able to afford to go to college. And so there were Marine recruiters who came to my high school because, you know, that's how they do is they go to low income places and try to they recruit sure the fuck do um, oh, yeah. that very promise. And, and their big thing was they came into like music and they're like, do you know that the Marine Corps has a band? And I'm like, Ooh, I play trombone. <laughs> um, so <laughs> for my college. Um, so I, I took some brochures and like signed a form. And so I was getting calls all the goddamn time, okay. just constantly <laughs> from Marine recruiters. And I was like, I kind of realized I'm like, I am, I am kind of a pacifist. I don't, I can't do this shit. Who am I kidding? And so I tried to tell them that I'm a pacifist. I, I just like, I, I, I panicked and I signed cause I'm poor. Um, but no, no, thank you. Take me off your list. Take me off. And they wouldn't. And they just kept fucking calling me. So finally this one Marine recruiter called and I was like, look, I am bisexual. I ask and I gladly tell, take me <laughs> off your list. They never fucking called, never called and me. And that's again. all it took. Hello and welcome to Active Listeners with Mike and Shane. Each week, we will discuss our lives, our goals, and our expectations as artists, as well as discuss what it is to be an artist. Performers, visual artists, and musicians. Mike and I, we want to talk to you, and we want to talk to you about what you do, why you do it, and what that art really means to you. We'll have guests to discuss artistic expression and the all-around nature of the artist's lifestyle. And try to answer that question. Is there a de facto artist lifestyle? Please follow us on Twitter and Facebook and join us in the conversation. All right, we would like to welcome our co-hosts for today's episode jesse donovan and aaron wallet and i i guess we'll start with jesse go ahead and introduce yourself uh your okay tell us your pronoun and something something interesting about yourself um well my name is jesse and my pronouns are he him and i guess the most interesting thing about me is that I am a nerd in so many different ways, but do not like either Star Wars or Star Trek. Um, Pokemon, Magic the wow. Gathering, D&D, like gamer, like all these different things. Buffy the Vampire Slayer is literally my life, but I cannot get into the space stuff. I appreciate like, calling yourself out like that. No space I do stuff like Firefly, just... though, but then, you know, it's like we went and screwed up all that, so... <laughs> and uh jesse uh for our listeners is a an actor a teacher and math uh, teacher on a math teacher yep, yeah yep. and that makes a lot of sense Virginia. yes it makes a lot of sense is is is, <laughs> is, is he a type is that a, is that a thing oh and shane and i have had many uh many uh, classes uh, together. arguments i guess about uh math and theater and women and their place in those things oh okay well, I'm wow, sure that makes me sound a follow awful. up on that. <laughs> and, and Aaron, Aaron Wallet, uh, actor, um, not a teacher, as far as I know. Um, 
may, maybe, maybe in another life. Uh, why don't you introduce yourself, tell us your pronoun and um, a little bit, something fun about yourself. Sure. So uh, my pronouns are they, them. And interestingly, I, I have actually, I've worked as a teacher, but not in a school setting. I have taught uh, performance, writing, theater, all of that. Um, I actually taught uh, special effects stage makeup, scenic painting, and most recently I was just a uh, visual art teacher for adults with disabilities. Look at that. I learned something new today. Yeah. Oh, and we just started. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Uh, I love teaching. I actually teach a lot of Shakespeare, more so few years back than now but um did a lot of like teaching and mentoring of young actors and mostly in Shakespeare awesome great all right so uh like like I mentioned Shane and I um have Jesse and Aaron on to today to shake things up a little bit and we're gonna kind of let them uh lead this conversation surrounding gender and we're gonna talk a little bit about how different communities are or are not accepting of of folks that identify differently than how they were born or otherwise I think that's appear. exactly why we have them on this episode because <laughs> exactly there is, why yeah there's never been a time where Mike and I have mm. tried to have this conversation and felt smart about it yeah <laughs> we are pretty consistently naive on the 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 right verbiage and the proper and polite way to have this conversation without being aggressive, without being offensive. I can feel you guys like tiptoeing on the line of like, <laughs> of, like afraid of what to say next. And like, you know, it's so like, what should we be saying? Tell us what to say, Jesse. You know, teach Tell us. What to say. You know, it's interesting like to see, especially like in the society that we are now is like, everybody's so afraid of what they're, going to say next and how it's going to offend um and as somebody who is so open and so comfortable about, about who I am and I'm fortunate enough to be surrounded by so many amazing people that support me as I try to be as open and honest as possible because obviously the only way to for people to learn about something is to be exposed to it and to be comfortable with something is to be exposed to it and so I, I expose myself not physically but emotionally <laughs> to people all the time to try to to make that a safe space for people to ask me questions that they think are going to offend me or offend the trans community as a whole be like you know what it's okay like we're in a safe space with each other like if you feel like you can you need to ask me a question because you genuinely want to know like most of these people aren't trying to be rude to me they're not trying to be offensive they're just genuinely curious about different things so uh that's kind of like what I like to bring to the table as a trans person just to be like the person that people can talk to about these things I I feel pretty similarly um as as somebody who's non-binary uh we were actually talking before the recording started about how being non-binary and being omnisexual I I kind of feel like I'm a little bit in the middle in the queer community for sure but um just sort of in general and I, I also, and maybe it's the educator in both of us, but I also definitely feel very comfortable educating about, you know, my experience or what I have observed amongst other people within the queer community. 
and I'm very much not easily offended. And yeah, I think a lot of the, the, what should we say, what verbiage is right, all of that can depend person to person because some people will be, you know, really bothered by something like assigned female at birth. That might be a term Mm -hmm. that they're like, well, you know, so what is extremely respectful from one person's perspective could be diminishing or demeaning to somebody else. Um, and I, I find myself getting scared about that sometimes too, because I, I don't want to put anyone in a situation where they don't feel comfortable in their own skin mm-hmm. um, or don't feel accepted in their environment. So sometimes I find it's just a matter of doing what you guys are doing, you know, asking what, what, what are the terms you prefer? What are the experiences you've had? Cause I, I mean, if you have a room full of like a hundred queer identifying people, half of them would probably be mad at me for using the word queer and, and others, you know, it's, it's, you'd probably get 50 different answers. Yeah. I feel like we've fallen into this culture of everyone trying to sort of fit in a box and, and that's just not how it works. Right. And I mean, personally, I, I am comfortable identifying as somebody who is female to male transgender, right? Whereas there are some people that like really hate the term female to male. They think it implies that you weren't always male. Whereas I think that being female for part of my life is part of my journey and part of what led me here and why I'm a, and I feel like I'm a better man because of it. So like, I don't want to erase that part of myself and or that part of my journey but like I like I'm like oh f- I like saying FTM people are like oh you don't say that like that's not you're trying to you know er- like erase trans people in a certain way and I'm like well this just I mean that's just who I am it's how I feel about it I'm comfortable with who I am and comfortable with this part of myself I mean no offense but like being a cis guy just sounds yucky <laughs> <laughs> I don't want I don't want that it <laughs> is it's 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 gross yeah, kind of <laughs> slimy sometimes. Yeah, I mean, I I think we've all experienced sliming. Um, <laughs> yeah, that you know that that makes a lot of sense, and I I know that uh, a big thing that, that I've I've run into and I've I've butt heads with other people in the queer community about sometimes is there are some people who are very much the idea is, you know, silent inclusion, where it's, it's, let's not call out what might make us unique or outside of the typical dialogue, quote unquote, you know, real, real, really being accepted. And part of it is we don't have to have the conversation. It doesn't have to be about, oh, you're trans or you're queer or whatever. Um, and Oh, my well, I guess this conversation's team. over. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> Bye. Everybody's everybody. Um, Let's go. Yeah. And, and, you know, like I, I can understand that. I know that, you know, my personal to like kind of bring it back around to art, my personal uh, take on a lot of more, you know, popular accessible media, TV and movies, particularly, you know, there, it used to be back in the day willing grace was a big deal because holy geez like people are talking about queer people and they're not the villain or the psycho killer or the you know uh the the degenerate whatever um but 
so much of the dialogue is all about the fact that they are members of the queer community. Whereas now we're seeing a bit more of the silent inclusion. You see commercials and it's like, oh, that appears to be a couple and they both are presenting in what would be considered a, generally a masculine fashion. And some people really want that. Some people really want the kind of, no, I'm going to put it on front street. This is who I am. This has been my journey. And some people feel one or the other is more valid. I certainly, I really delight in my queer identity. Um, I also, you know, I, I am very glad and very proud to be where I am. And having also been socialized and raised um, identified largely as female um, has certainly informed where I'm at now. And I think it has made me aware of some really interesting dichotomy that exists in the larger binary discussions. So yeah, so it's, it's, it's so easy to offend, but at the same time, it's it's just such a personal journey that sometimes it just comes down to what do you prefer? Yeah, I always say that my visibility is is there to normalize, not generalize. Like I can help you like get more comfortable with trans people, but I can't give you the experience of every trans person that exists. Like I can yeah. give you my experience and be your gateway into this world. But, you know, again, I want to normalize it. I don't want to generalize it. Yeah. My, my transness isn't someone else's transness and I can't tell somebody what being trans is for them or what it should be like gatekeeping the trans community makes me insane mm. like don't tell me how to be trans and I won't tell you how to be trans and you don't tell me that that person's not trans because they present they are biologically well biology is you know such a whatever thing but identify as non-binary but present as feminine in a feminine body and you're telling me that they can't be non-binary because they're clearly female and it's like well that's not for you to decide right like that's the mm. like non-binary is so much more than just feminine or masculine or is gender so much more than just feminine or masculine you know so it's like who are you to define someone's identity like why do we have to put it in these two boxes male or female we don't you know it's you know everything's you know we always talk about these spectrums, like sexuality is a spectrum and now gender is a spectrum and like so many things. It's just, just let it be as the Beatles would say. Aaron, you, you said something that was interesting to me and kind of bringing it back to geekdom um, or nerddom, <laughs> whichever one of those phrases you prefer. Uh, <laughs> um, you said something about silent inclusion and mm. that's super interesting it immediately made me think of what I would consider silent exclusion, which is when you'll, mm. you'll see it. And the reason why I bring up nerddom is you see it a lot, generally cis straight members of this circle of fandom will say things like, I don't care if they make gay, trans, non-binary heroes, don't make the content about them being gay trans mm. or non-binary and like so they'll have this like very vociferous <laughs> condemnation from anything that makes them makes them remember that this is a lifestyle they don't know anything about um mm -hmm. 
So I, I wonder, do you think maybe those people that are more about very vocal representation, do you think it's because of a silent exclusion? I mean, we've been, we've spent, I mean, how many generations, how many years being told like to be who we are behind closed doors, right? It's like, I don't care what you're doing in your bedroom, but you don't need to be doing that on like outside of that, like be Mm -hmm. who you are, but be it like on like by yourself. And it's like, no. And that's where like these things like pride and all these things come from because we're here to shout it out loud. And as, as Kiss would say, um, music references left and right i'm digging Um, it and really like show people that you know we are a part of this world and we're very much part of you know your communities and not just our own like uh, we have families we have lives we have jobs like we're doing it you know and we're gonna be ourselves and you can't tell us to hide anymore all these people are just getting so uncomfortable with like us taking over their spaces right so to speak and being like oh like this was my world before and now you're coming in and taking it over and then like we're sitting here saying like we've always been here we're just trying to tell you that you have to accept it yeah that's a really excellent a lot of really excellent points and and something that you said jesse that i absolutely loved was i'm here to normalize not generalize i just wanted to come back and 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 sort of highlight that because i I really loved that um, but it, it ties into this. I use the term silent inclusion uh, because it is actually a term that's frequently used in, in the world of developmental disability and care for people who are, you know, not neurotypical. It used to be very much a, a separate sort of situation. You know, you're not seeing people with disabilities in classrooms with other people, if people are out in the community, it's in a big van that's festooned with the logo of, you know, whatever care agency. And a lot of those agencies uh, in more recent years have tried to, to do what they refer to as silent inclusion, which is, you know, we're just going to go be part of our community. And it's not going to be about, oh, we are having an outing as people who have a developmental disability. From that perspective, you know, I certainly see a lot of value in not looking at a person or a group of people and then just immediately making that snap judgment of, you know, you are the avatar of every thought I've ever had. You are now the receptacle of my perception of what a queer person is. So clearly you fit these boxes that are checked in my brain as you're a queer person. And so I see you with your rainbow shirt. And so you are everything you're the, you're the receptacle and the projection of everything I think I know about the queer community. There's value in that. I definitely see value in that and, and recognizing you don't know, we've always been here, but yeah, I do think, you know, pride you brought up pride jesse and like i remember the the first time that i participated in pride events just like the absolute elation i i can i can walk down the street holding hands with my girlfriend as somebody who is frequently femme presenting and people around me are just like rock on and and it's you know colorful and loud and exciting I, I definitely think it's it's very much a response to the enforced silent inclusion 
and, you know, inclusion in big air quotes and that, because in that circumstance, when it's, you know, keep it in your bedroom, keep it behind closed doors, it's, it's not a, that's not silent inclusion. It's, it is that silent exclusion. Mm -hmm. It's, it's, you can be here, but shut up. Mm -hmm. You can be here, but I don't want to know you're here. And it also, you know, gives them a lot of insecurities about these characters that they've identified with their whole lives and been part of. And then suddenly that character is queer. And then they're like, oh my God, like this was my favorite superhero. Does like, what does that say about me? Now I Mm -hmm. can't like them. Now I can't identify with them. But like we've identified with cis straight characters our whole lives and seen ourselves in, in them, you know, like give us some representation you know it's not gonna hurt to love these characters and and feel a little bit of yourself in them because again we're crossing binaries all over the place these days right like I love female characters I love male characters you know and it's like I love trans characters and non-binary characters why do I have to pick only male characters because I'm male you know what I mean? And so like, why do you have to only identify with straight characters? Because you're straight. It makes it, you feel like there's still some sort of taboo attached to it. This character can't be gay because that's wrong. And it makes me feel wrong about liking them. And that's what it comes down to, right? Like you're, there's still that feeling somewhere inside you, even if you, if you don't realize it's there, it's that like unconscious bias that you are, have been trying to ignore, but seems to pop up when something that you're so emotionally attached to brings Mm -hmm. that bias up. Yeah. I think that there's a bit of a zero sum game kind of concept. You know, it's Mm -hmm. if, if I have to sacrifice my view of this beloved character by, you know, the, the writers revealing something else about them, then that's less for me to enjoy. And in fact, it, it, illuminates and and really it's yeah it's it's not it's not a zero-sum situation but some feel that way but also it's it can be so tremendously affirming when you are a queer identifying person and so many of the icons that you adore are you know considered cis het normative I remember a big thing for me was in uh, Avengers Endgame having Cap talking to a gay man and being like, good for you, you're going out and dating again after his husband died. And Especially for a character that was like yes from that time, Mm -hmm. right? And fought Nazis, you know? Yeah. (laughs) He learned the right lesson. Right? Holy shit. Cap just mm. affirmed gay people. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, you, you yeah, both mentioned yeah. at this point, this I- idea of, you know, behind closed doors. And mm. the thing that leaps to my mind is the, that the don't ask, don't tell. And, mm. and I sort of, when people sort of push this idea of progress, I, I feel like it is, like we had mentioned earlier, this, this gatekeeping to their world. It's, and, and where does the idea of what is progress and what is perceived as progress, but isn't actually doing what it's aiming to do? 
It's interesting, like, to think about don't ask, don't tell, because initially, like, that was something that was supposed to protect gay people in the exactly. military, right? And then it just became a witch hunt. Mm. And then, you know, and then you have Trump come in, and then all of a sudden it's a trans witch hunt because he doesn't want trans people in the military. Because even after the, you know, the APA decided that, you know, transgender people weren't, wasn't like a psychological disorder, right? That they're just people and you don't have to be diagnosed as with gender dysphoria to, you know, undergo the treatment that you need. Um, and it's just like all these things that are supposedly put in place to protect us are really just harmful to us because they just give another people another reason to attack who we are and how we identify, right? Like, oh, you can't be open in the military because for your safety, but really we're just trying to weed you out, right? So Right, because if you're if you're constantly being told your existence yeah. puts you in danger in danger. this particular situation, you don't want to put yourself into that situation. And that seems like a systemic <clears throat> issue in the not for the like that's a problem that needs to be identified, not you don't hide the people being persecuted. You <laughs> I identify the person being offensive you you, you know it it's amazing a, to see how it's like society switching in that way where it uh, used to be oh you can't speak out for you know queer people because then you'll be ostracized but now if you're speaking out against them it seems like there are a bunch of people that are are coming to your defense as more so than you know attacking you you know like jk rowling in like the situation with you know are trans women really women? And her being a feminist and saying that because she's a feminist that she can't side with the trans community in this argument, right? And which is a ridiculous, like ridiculous. And so you have this whole community of people who love Harry Potter and love those stories that are coming, that instead of standing behind her because they love her work, they're trying to hold her accountable for what she's doing to a whole community of people. And like, that's like a beautiful thing, right? Is like, is how that shift is happening. Um, and like, even having seen it, like I'm only 30, you know, it's like, I'm not like super old. And like having seen this shift from where my like uncle was in the air force and was gay and like wanted to kill himself because he didn't know how to live and didn't want to be out to people too me being openly trans, you know, and, and comfortable and, and feeling like, and like being out at work and like being able to talk to people about myself and my identity and things like that. And like feeling like more people have my back than don't, you know, is, is a huge deal. But I mean, obviously there's still a lot, like we can't ever just settle and be like, oh, we got something. So we should, but that, and that, but that's a lot, what a lot of people want us to do, right? They're like, we give you this, you just stop now. And it's just like, no, we're not gonna stop here. We want we want our lives to be as like everyone else. Tell me know, about so. it. <laughs> yeah. Well, I mean, yeah, I'm sure you can relate. So <laughs> I'm uh, hearing so many things. I'm like, that's preach. Preach. Yeah. It's really interesting though. I had this dream recently where a friend of mine that I went to college with, and she had in this dream, she came to visit me and somebody else that we went to school with and was talking about doing this show over Zoom. 
And she was like, oh, you've played this part before. I think it was like in my head, it's Chicago. And she was like, you've played this part before. Will you do it for me over the Zoom? It's this weekend. And I was like, I would love to, but like, I can't because I'm going out of, like, this is all a dream. I'm going out of town this weekend. And she kind of, and like in the dream, she kind of looked at me funny. And I was like, is that like you wanted to hear, like what you wanted to hear, you don't like want me to do the part. And she's like, well, you know, I'm realizing that I'm having a lot of like biases in the way that I cast people. And like, I really want to cast more people of color. And I really saw like this part as being like a person of color. So that's what I want to do. I was like, then why didn't you like in this dream? And let me just reiterate, this is a dream. <laughs> like I'm getting into this argument, like, well, then why didn't you just do that? Like, why are you making it like, like there are also not a lot of opportunities for trans people in the theater community, right? Like, so why are you making it a me versus people of color thing instead of like creating opportunities for both, you know? And like, again, this is a dream, but then I realized like, this is like really a feelings that yeah. I have, you know? And like, as a trans man and like being like, I mean, obviously like I'm, I'm a small dude, like I'm not a big dude. And going to a women's college, it was like, oh, I, there was always opportunities for me to play men because there were only women around. And now that I'm actually male, it's like, I, I'm not manly enough. Like, I'm never going to get the part over a cis guy, right? So the times that I have gotten cast, it's because there aren't any guys available still, mm. you know, even which, so I'm still in this same situation that I was when I was presenting female that I'm hmm. only getting these parts when there aren't cis men available for them. So that's, that's actually, um, and if, if we have time for it, uh, just I'm clocking it. I have a really funny story about, um, don't ask, don't tell. But um, being that like Shakespeare for, for quite some time was really my focus in performance because I, I, I kind of went through what a lot of actors do with Shakespeare, which is, you know, you go to a public school and it's taught in the most dry, <laughs> shitty, boring, <laughs> put it up on a pedestal way until somebody, you know, outside of your public school is like did you know that Shakespeare does dick jokes and it's like what <laughs> um and then you know you get villain I have done thy mother um <laughs> Titus oh um, my <laughs> naked Titus. weapon is out <laughs> yeah yeah, just yeah, yeah. The first five lines of Romeo and Juliet <laughs> yo yo kind of around the same time that I really started falling in love with Shakespeare was also around the time that I started recognizing in myself I, I didn't feel comfortable with like oh I'm just a tomboy who plays at being a guy and I, I remember like as early as when I was eight or nine I, I would have times where I would literally wake up and I'd sitting in my room being like I know that whatever gender I am supposed to be, I act like the other one. <laughs> and so there was like a lot of that growing up. And then like my junior year in high school, I was like, I'm not going to prom because I'm going to go do a show and drag. So really when I started kind of accepting that this wasn't just, I like to put on dudes clothing, quote unquote, uh, was around the time that I really started falling in love with Shakespeare. I have a naturally lower voice for somebody who is assigned female at birth. 
I, I was often also the, oh, we don't have enough guys. So Aaron, you know, mm-hmm. can sing tenor. So they're going to go, um, we're going to cast them as a dude. Um, and then the, the shift came just because, you know, with Shakespeare, there's what, maybe like two, three female parts per show. And sometimes that's generous. And so like, it's, it's far more accepted. Um, even even before the greater dialogue came down to it being less about a binary. And so finding the ways that instead of thinking, okay, so I'm a girl playing a guy, finding the ways of like the gray areas where it's not just male or female. How does that inform this character? Does it inform this character? How does it inform me physically in regard to this character? It's, it's been interesting. Uh, one, once I came to a point where I identified as non-binary, there's still the little voice in the back of my head. That's like, you're playing at being a dude. Cause you're not, cause you're a girl and you know it. And there's that shitty little voice that sits in the brains of many people who identify as non-binary. It shifted, it shifted the dialogue for me. It went from, I'm a girl playing a guy to, I'm a person playing a person and maybe this person has certain tendencies that are associated one way or the other. Um, so doing Shakespeare was actually really freeing because it wasn't sheerly, Oh, we need, we need some girls to play some guys. It's, you know, it's, it has been accepted for longer. And so it yeah. wasn't about sheerly out of necessity. You, you see directors and people who are doing casting just going like, no, that's, that's an interesting take that this is not being played by a, a, a cis man or a cis woman. So finding, finding those places where it's not necessarily about the binary. It's interesting because, you know, Shane and I were involved in a production of, of Midsummer where we regendered um, Lysander to be female. Mm-hmm. And I played that character, you know, before my transition and made it specific. So it, it's, it's interesting to think like if I had played that part as a female, just playing a male part, nobody would have thought twice about it. They're just mm-hmm. being like, oh, that's a girl, but she's playing a guy. So this is fine. But as soon as I was a girl playing a girl part and then suddenly there's this relationship between these two women, Mm -hmm. then people have a problem with me playing this role as a female and that's not what Shakespeare wanted to do, right? You don't change Shakespeare. I'm like, everybody changes Shakespeare. That's what they do. You know, so it's interesting like to be like, oh, if I was this girl playing this guy in this relationship, it'd be fine. But because I'm yeah. a girl playing a girl in this relationship, it's suddenly a problem. It suddenly changes the the optics yeah. from the outside, and mm-hmm. whether you're comfortable, like however comfortable people are with that, is going to be exposed. Mm-hmm. Mike and I uh, were in a production of Hamlet, and I played Laertes. And um, at the time that this was happening, I I was thoroughly and had been for a while identifying as non-binary that's literally where i was gonna go with my next question <laughs> <laughs> well, then, then please you know uh, since i'm since we're going in the same direction please ask your question well I was, what i was gonna say was um <laughs> just because i was involved in your process mm. for that 
yeah mm-hmm. i'm aware of of how you intended to play Laertes as as likely gender neutral um so i i was i was wondering if you could talk about a little bit about where your mind goes when you're taking something so historically and traditionally not that um and without you know because you can't change the words so like what mm-hmm. do you do yeah you can do whatever you want to, well you <laughs> can't we didn't you can right. change the words you can literally but what do, do you do what do you what, what do you what is your process <laughs> well, like in that situation that's um that's a super interesting question because with with Laertes in particular there's the dynamic between Laertes and Ophelia if it is treated in the the you know the binary um if it is a a brother and a sister um you know there are very clearly defined lines you know both historically and in whatever the context societally is at the time of what brothers and sisters are and so it was it was interesting exploring Laertes from the perspective if this is a person who doesn't fall exactly one way or the other but is in a society where it's expected to do so there's kind of the 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 face you put on the one outside of your bedroom you know there's the when Laertes is in court when Laertes is approaching Claudius when Laertes is um taking a stand in a public way then for me i found it was like okay so this is the time when laertes drops down into here and is very upright and needs to be taken as the man in the situation and so there's this sort of adoption of what is expected of you know the son in those forums but then in those moments when it's just Laertes and Ophelia that that facade kind of drops a bit and there's still that you know sort of chivalry and protectiveness I think but it was really interesting to me to be playing a character who is supposed to be so solidly defined as male who I, I, I don't think necessarily views themselves that way and having to play a part within a part, essentially. Um, you know, there, there were kind of two Laertes that existed and it was, it, it really, and, and, you know, Shay who played Ophelia was, was so absolutely lovely. And Mike who played um, Polonius that when it was just three of them, Laertes didn't necessarily have to be the boy or the son, even with Polonius, which is interesting because there's a lot of gendered things in Polonius's language, but just the dynamic that existed amongst us as actors was, okay, we're going to accept Laertes is the boy and you're going to go off to school and you're going to do this and whatever but it didn't feel like that kind of pressure when it was just, you know, the family Polonius. But simultaneously, 
Polonius really leans into Ophelia being a girl. So it's, it's just like, it was kind of a play within a play, which is kind of funny for Hamlet. <laughs> um, and then there's the hyper-masculinity of I'm going to duel you because you disrespected my sister. Yeah. It's, it, it's kind of cool. Like in the, in that interpretation of Laertes being given leeway because he is traditionally identified as male yet Ophelia is not given that same right Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. yeah yeah and some like I actually in in previous um my previous encounters with Hamlet um just I I it was the first time I performed in that show but I I generally found Laertes kind of like a bit milk toast and annoying <laughs> um <laughs> uh but then but then it was like you have this person who has these deeply profoundly quote-unquote masculine things you know an excellent swordsman and and you know this this amazing fighter and all that but then you know there's also the side of somebody who's so emotionally disturbed by their sister's death that they literally break down and jump into their sister's grave and that's you know manly tears and shit and then you have this amazing swords person who's going to kill someone with poison which is generally considered a woman's weapon you know being laertes from the inside it's like oh shit there's just so much going on so much seesaw back and forth this room expects me to be a dude I, I just kept finding those things and it was, it was fucking fascinating. I mean, it um, sounds like it goes back to the, the idea that Jesse spoke to earlier about that uh, gender identity as a spectrum. It's, it's no longer yeah. viewed as this binary, but we all live on this spectrum. And I, I would kind of like if you could speak to that a little bit, because I know that uh, uh, living in the South, I've often have the conversation with people of, oh no, there are two genders, that's it. And I so rarely know how to approach that conversation as an ally. Mm. Mm. Well, it was interesting earlier today, actually, um, my daughter had brought up that she wanted to be Gamora for Halloween or something like that because she changes her mind every five minutes. And we started talking about like Dave Batista in the role of um, Drax and like all these things. And my dad was like, I heard he cried when he got that role. Like, what a pussy. And I was like, excuse me? Like, he was happy about something he cried. Like, why? That makes him less of a man. Like, what? Like, what is the issue when, you know, you think about, especially as somebody who went through, you know, courses for, for being a teacher, you study a lot of, you know, psychology and, and things like that. And like men or people assigned male at birth are extremely emotional, way more emotional than, um, you know, girls. Like they do studies where they like put babies in a room with their parents. And like, as soon as the mom stops playing with the little boy, he's screaming but you know, you stop playing with the little girl and she's like, whatever, you know? And it's just like, it's society that beats that out of them. 
because they're told that they need to be a certain way. It changes so, it like, to I'm, rage, right? It yeah. And like, I'm that person that puts, yeah. puts that, my foot down and like, no, I'm going to be the man I am. And that's still going to be a man. Like, you're not going to tell me what a man is like. And I think that's something that mm-hmm. like a lot of us are doing. Like, you, like women are allowed to stand up and be like, okay, I'm going to be like this. And well, I mean, allowed, I mean, I use that term loosely, but like, them saying that they're going to be less feminine or less like something or just fit in some sort of um, box that they've been told to put in by society is seen as like championing their gender and like taking a step forward. Whereas if men try to be more sensitive or more lean towards another direction, suddenly it's like the most disgusting thing in the world because why would anybody want to be female? or feminine because it seemed it's supposed to be demeaning and degrading and it brings back that point that like Mike mentioned before we started recording was that like do trans people place or, or cis people play trans roles and you have that whole like joke trope even in Shakespeare of like men dressing like women mm-hmm. and like you have Mrs. Doubtfire and sorority boys and like all of these like and they and you think about them and it's like oh men being women is always a joke and it's always this funny thing but they can just take it off later and be men and like the same the same thing goes with you know Jared Leto playing a trans woman in um, Dallas Buyers Club and is being in winning awards for like a life that we live every day and he's somehow brave you know and it's like you're getting awarded for, you know, doing something for a short period of time that some people have to live their whole life as. And it's, you know, I don't think that cis people should play trans roles because like, like I mentioned earlier, there just aren't opportunities for trans people anyway. So why take that opportunity from them if you if they're available just because you can get a hireless actor? Like you have Boys Don't Cry with Hilary Swank, which is ridiculous you have you know Jared Leto and you have like uh Felicity Huffman and uh Matt Bomer all playing trans people but they are all cis people and it's demeaning to the award process too right mm -hmm. like would Jared Leto have won that award if he was playing a dude like Mm -hmm. just a cis dude like what do you Mm -hmm. would his performance be like heralded as amazing and revolutionary if that character was just a man you know what I mean? Right. Like it's we kind of the about... same when it comes to like other identities, like mm-hmm. or you know, like just because you know, dude played a slave, like you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. He's gonna get this award yeah. because well, even, the academy is my, feeling generous this year. Like, one of my friends had pointed out when he won that award, mm-hmm. like that we think about you know the first black person ever win an academy award and what they won that for, mm-hmm. playing a comedic maid. Mm-hmm. you know and just like this mm-hmm. really offensive role but like they won an academy award but we look back at that and you're like wow mm-hmm. and like the way that jared leto played a trans person isn't something that trans people are going to look at and be like yes he did that right because it's always <laughs> you know it's what I also mean? Like, always yeah. someone that needs to be like saved or is mm-hmm. otherwise degenerate or mm-hmm. you know even though sex work is work you know what i mean like right, right. it's yeah. it's yeah. Like this whole other other beast well it's <laughs> i mean it's it's the tearjerker tragedy shit mm-hmm. on the one hand like you know 
okay, so I I want the Academy Awards, so I need to play this, you know, check off the box tragic figure, um, you know, and that that it tear jerks, and so that's an award. But and it, oh, and it falls into the same sort of category as like, ooh, look at this super hot actor who you know uglies themselves up, you know, drops like down on glasses and yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. But there's also the like, um, what was it, uh, Charlize Theron and Monster? Yeah, um, I thought of uh, just like Hillbilly Elegy. <laughs> yeah, it's essentially like reward me because I'm degrading myself in some way. Because right. it's like, oh, okay, so I'm, it's it's tragic because I'm, I'm trans. It's tragic because I'm, you you know me as this famous person, and now you have to see me looking like you do every day. Ooh, how brave of you, you know? Right. And it's, exactly. so it's, it's, yeah, it's treated as bravery to play a fucking person. And like, I think there's a bravery in being part of a marginalized group when you're actually part of it for sure. But you were willing to like drop down into that. And, and it's, it's, like, it's, <laughs> sorry, go ahead, Jess. Okay, I was just going to make the <laughs> argument that like actors act, you can act like a trans person. And I'm like, that's what they said about blackface, right? Like, <laughs> Look at, right. I mean, look at um, the jazz singer as being like the first, you know, movie with talking, but this guy is like blackface the whole time. And, you know, you're like disgusted by it now, but back yeah. then that was like brave and the thing to do. And it's like, this man can act yeah. black, but it's like, can you act trans when you're not? It's like, oh, you're pretending, like you're trying to, you're, it's like implying that I am also pretending, you know? Anybody can yeah. just be trans as, for a as little it's a bit. mask that you can put on yeah. and take off. You no, know, sure. it's just like, oh, if you, I can get up here and pretend to be a man for a little bit, or I can get up here and pretend to be a woman for a little bit, but I'm not a woman. And like, that's kind of what trans, like cis people playing trans parts seems like, you know, it kind of makes people feel like, oh, we are just pretending that we can just take mm -hmm. this off later. And, you know, or that you know, whole argument that somebody told me like an apple can call themselves an orange but at the end of the day they're still an apple they can't change that and I'm like mm, that's not how that works you know and like that whole GameStop lady right the one that flipped out in GameStop and knocked all that stuff over because she was being misgendered over and over again. You're like, as a trans person, you're relating to that frustration because somebody is calling you sir over and over again. You're like, it's ma'am. But because your voice doesn't sound the way they want it to, like everybody's making fun of you and calling you macho man, tranny savage, you know? Mm -hmm. And it's like, you know, you're like disgusted with it, but like, oh, there are people out here making this joke because this person was acting like an asshole. It's okay, you know, but- it's not, you know, people getting in my face and calling me a dyke isn't okay, right? Like things like that. It's like, mm, like if you're gonna insult me, at least use like the correct gender, you know? And <laughs> <laughs> call me a fag. I don't yeah. know, like, you know what I mean? And it's like, 
these situations where you see people like, especially with trans women, not as much with trans men, um, make it seem like they're disgusting and or predators and turning them, you know, this like trope of men dressing as women to trap people and murder them. Like even, you know, go back to JK Rowling. She did a whole murder mystery novel after all of this came out about a cis man dressing as a woman so that he could victimize women and like making and like, but in history, how many times has that actually happened? Like who dresses as a woman I mean, that's the whole argument about the gendered bathrooms, isn't it? Of, right. Yeah. You know, somehow yeah. they're predators. Like, you really think a bathroom law is going to stop a man from being a predator if he's a predator? You know, like, yeah. it's not trans women that are predators, you know? It's like, I don't know. Especially, you know, considering that statistically speaking, as a trans woman, the the tendency towards having violence exacted upon you is so egregiously mm-hmm. large and but i think i think that the whole thing about cis actors playing trans roles it feeds into that avatar mentality of so this is the icon of what trans is this is trans on a hollywood budget so you either have the like grossly comedic and insulting, you know, blackface mm-hmm. of trans essentially. Um, or you have the, you know, five hours in a makeup chair with a professional, you know, tr- uh, cosmetologist where it's, it's okay for this person to be trans because like, Look at how prettily we've, you know, emphasized or de-emphasized their bone structure. And so it paints this image of what is valid as trans or what is cause for laughter or what, what, what is disgusting, what is gross. And so it creates the caricature. It, it dehumanizes trans people. It's, it's, I, I really don't think that there's a, a great deal of harm intended. And, you know, as an, as an actor, I absolutely understand like the, the thrill and excitement of diving into something that is very different. That's a different experience for you. That's a different life. And, you know, wanting to do justice by that and wanting to learn things about yourself in the process. And that's, that's very exciting and very tempting. But just because we haven't gotten to the point with depictions of trans people, yeah, we look back at the jazz singer, we look back at Al Jolson and whoever, and we're like, wow, that is disgustingly, horrifically offensive. And mm-hmm. of course, there are present day depictions that are equally as offensive. We just don't talk about them as much. Um <laughs> we haven't gotten to the point where, you know, fucking universe willing a generation from now, people are going to look back and go like, Oh, Jared Leto, that is not a good color on you, you know? Um, Mm. and, and look back at it and go like, Jesus, that used to be considered. Okay. Mm. You know, we're not there yet. And it's, it's that whole, like your grandkids are going to be, uh, ashamed of you concept 
of, you know, don't put yourself on the wrong side of history. And we don't have that distance yet. I think we're closer to that than, than we realize. Cause I mean, I think that we are almost to the point where people are looking, maybe not saying that Jared Leto playing that part was disgusting, but more like that it's not okay. You know, like people are speaking out against these types of castings or even people being, you know, transphobic and homophobic even being cast in things. I mean, look at what happened to that chick in The Mandalorian. You know, she mocked people using, you know, pronouns in their Twitter bios and she's out of a job, you know? And like something like that, people are like, so why do you do that? Like, why do people need to put their pronouns? And I was like, because it's, I mean, it's a, it's a way for cis people to be a trans ally because they are normalizing the use of pronouns and asking people for their pronouns, no matter how they present themselves. Like the guidance counselors at the school that I work in, you know, if you sign on to a Zoom with them, it has their name and then it has their pronouns. And, you know, and a lot of people like in my Twitter bio, my, um, my pronouns are there. And it's something that cis people can do to help with because, I mean, if cis people do it, it's not so weird for trans people to do it. And it doesn't automatically identify somebody as trans, you know, like only trans people put their um, pronouns in their bios or make a big deal out of the pronouns. So doing this immediately identifies you as trans. So if cis people do it, it gives us a, it's a safer environment as a whole, right? So I do think that we are getting, getting a lot closer there's still a lot standing against us, you know, in the in like the community for trans people. But at least as an artist, I feel like there are a lot more liberal spaces for us in the art community than there are in a lot of other spaces and places. Yeah, I don't know that I've ever had the that pronoun conversation explained to me in a way that made as much sense as you just made it make sense to me. Um, <laughs> okay. I know. And I have, as a, as like a performer, as a director, I've always wanted to play women on stage. And, and now I'm not sure if that's okay. I'm not sure where I am allowed to be in that conversation. Well, I guess you gotta kind of think I about it in like, what opportunity like it's again it comes down to opportunity like you think about like how many like 17 percent of working actors are women yeah you know so it's like are like are you completely gender swapping everybody like are you playing women and then suddenly there are women playing men you Absolutely. know and like yeah. that right and like that becomes like a whole different dynamic that changes the whole dynamic of the show but are you just playing women like these other people are to challenge yourself as an actor because then like love you but we just don't give a fuck sure like, you know what I mean like yeah <laughs> like um, yeah it's and I think sometimes I I am very uh I I really think that there's a lot of value to be said uh, to be laid in what is the intent and you know, certainly there are forums where, you know, if you're in an acting class, if you are 
in a, a space that is just about your exploration as an artist, you know, yeah, ask, ask your, your teacher to give you the monologue, you know, that you would never get cast in typically because an offer to stretch you as a performer um, or just like open up perspective for you just as a person and artist in general. Um, but yeah, when it comes to potentially taking an opportunity from somebody who already has so few, um, which, which I think is, is why it pisses me off more in things like television and film when it's like, okay, we're going to get some cishet person to play a trans person. It's like, there, there's, there's so the world is at your fingertips. You can find trans actors if you get your head out of your own ass, mm -hmm. you know, in theaters, there might not be quite as much opportunity for that, especially smaller theaters. So I think that there's a little bit more room for forgiveness in that, but it also raises the question, if you the people to tell the story, are you the sure. person who should be telling that story? And uh, maybe, maybe, maybe your theater company shouldn't be doing Hamilton. Um, <laughs> <laughs> you know, just, or into just the heights. An example, I just so What's so, on so much. Or yeah, there's <laughs> God, so many. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Or yeah, West Side Story. Hairspray. Where it's oh, like hairspray. Yeah, I mean, yeah. like, I, mean, like I, I feel like I. Should, no, go ahead. I feel please. like I should be forthright, um, because I most of my work has been in relatively small scale theater and we live in upstate New York and I have olive tone skin. So <laughs> I've definitely, Play they've Maria. been like, you play. <laughs> yeah. Like you can play an Hispanic character. You can, you can play, you can play, you know, Latinx. You can, I, I've, I've played native American characters because it's upstate New York and I have a tan. I played and, Chief Bromden in one flew over one flew over the cuckoo's nest. Mm -hmm. And just like I don't know, it's been eight years, and I'm like, oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. I, I was that. in Last of the Mohicans. Yeah, yeah. And because I have black hair and olive-toned skin, mm -hmm. oof. Um, yeah, we we were an ethnically diverse group of Native Americans, like <laughs> only two of whom were actually Native Americans. Um, it's like anybody who is non-Aryan over here. Mm. Um, so <laughs> I, I feel like I need to be forthright about that because I have definitely played roles that, you know, I would be disgusted to be cast in if there was somebody who could fucking play the part. Like, mm. you know, I like, please, you know, give the part to somebody who is actually fucking appropriate for it well, um, kind of like you said so like, maybe that's not that theater story to tell yeah right right, right. like it's right. like that's the height right. of it's like, like it's like the height of privilege to be like oh we don't have people of color or we don't have trans people or we don't you know what i mean we can fix that, that. yeah whatever at least yeah. we want to yeah. tell this story so we're gonna tell it yeah. so mm -hmm. like and i know i know this isn't necessarily your purview sexuality when you're talking about gender is is weird too because mm -hmm. like like Aaron mm -hmm. you, you have a wife and you present like you said um, you present feminine uh, most of the time you identify as non-binary so like 
so that that creates an, an interesting conundrum for someone that isn't in your world to say oh well no she's just omnisexual you know what i mean like that's what that is someone might not know what that mm-hmm. is so i wonder what your your thoughts on on playing sexuality are because uh, that's a little different um yeah yeah definitely um so i i do actually have to point something out um so kate uh who you were referring to is not actually my wife kate is my girlfriend and my spouse is a dude sorry <laughs> i right. have i forgot uh, how that situation so works <laughs> right, it's right, okay. right. It's all good <laughs> so on top like i am i am the most middle ground fucker that there is because i'm like i'm omnisexual i'm non-binary and i'm poly so it's just mm-hmm. like i'm just in the middle just being like somebody love me well okay something that that we discussed earlier uh there's kind of a full circle to that though because like at what point do we go okay gender is fluid or is a spectrum so who are we to say that this person isn't qualified to tell that story you Mm know um so sometimes because i very strongly believe sexuality is is a spectrum and not just like you know the line the kinsey line um it's it is a graph it is a 3d you know exploded view model i think for me it, it, it's not as problematic to me to see someone who identifies as hetero playing a, a queer, gay, bi character um, because maybe because the dialogue has shifted a bit more and, and the, the dialogue on sexuality is a bit more advanced than the dialogue on gender as far as the idea of a spectrum goes. Maybe that's, maybe that is why we're getting to that point quicker that, um, so maybe there will be a point in the future where gender is considered such a spectrum that some of those presentations won't be seen as offensive. So I think we're kind, personally, I think we're kind of there, um, to an extent. I'll just say, I have to say that I, I agree with you, um, in that, in that sense, um, whereas, you know, I, when I got married, I identified as female. So I was in a same sex relationship and, you know, now I identify as, as, as male, but still consider myself queer because like I'm a person with a vagina that likes people with vaginas, whether they're male or female, you know, like my, like my deal breaker is a penis, like don't want it. (laughs) Uh, So it's, it's not really a gender thing. It's just, it's an anatomy thing. And, but like you said, like, who are we to say that like this person isn't queer in some way, just because like Mm -hmm. they've only been in this same, this heterosexual marriage for however long or only been in heterosexual relationships. We can't say that they've never like considered or been attracted to somebody of the same sex or, you know, wouldn't be, or maybe like, you know, like people put this like, I don't know what the word I'm looking for, but straight men that like trans women, like that's a thing. There's a mm-hmm. big community of straight men that love trans sure. women that are still straight men, but like people still put them in that box of like, no, you're gay because that's a dude. And you're like, no, nah, that's not how it works. Yeah. And they just are attracted to women like that. And it's like, 
So like when it comes to people playing, you know, gay roles, like do you have like an actor available to do that? Probably. But at the same time, you're like, sexuality is such a like complicated structure. And then like, because there are so many genders, like, and so many identities and the way that people identify, it's like, can we say anybody's not queer? Like, I mean, it's <laughs> yeah, so hard to like, it's probably right. a little queer. <laughs> like, um, right. It's, it's, that, it's that little bit of like, what do they call it? Uh, sh- straight panic, right? When, when, yes. when straight yeah. men figure out like a woman that they're attracted to is a trans woman. Yeah. And they do stupid shit, like beat them up yeah. or kill them. And, you know, cause they're freaking out and they're thinking, oh, am I gay? Well, no, nah, dude, you're not gay, but like that's a, that's you did woman. think <laughs> that trans woman was sexy, yeah. like, and that's yeah. okay, you know, like that's fine, because yeah. sure. I, and I yeah, feel maybe like the dick is the deal breaker. That's fine too. Yeah, the dick is the deal breaker. <laughs> it's like you yeah. don't have to freak out. Just <laughs> and, be like, oh, I'm sorry, I misjudged the situation. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> and that's it. It's not that you're not a woman; it's that you have a penis. <laughs> yeah, you're a woman and, the penis, and, and that's my problem. <laughs> you know, there's 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 still definite and like i i'm sure there kind of will be for probably forever um you know there there are people who feel very strongly that that making a stance about you know oh there's an anatomical you know you know that is my metric is Mm -hmm. this anatomical thing um there are a lot of people who are like oh well that invalidates this that people People dig what the fuck they dig. Like, mm-hmm. get mm-hmm. off of everybody's dick, whether it's biological and anatomical or metaphorical. Um, <laughs> Proverbial dick. And I think, I think especially in artistic communities, and like, this, this might be an offensive statement, but I'm here for it. Like, <laughs> most people in artistic communities, like, there's at least a little bit of queer in there. <laughs> if, if, if nothing else, like, there's maybe a question mark lingering somewhere in the background you know that said my husband refers to himself as cripplingly heterosexual um (laughs) which is funny because like he started dating me when i was identifying as female jokes on you bitch um (laughs) now now you're default part of the queer community um so (laughs) i think a lot of it comes down to who's telling the story by and what is the intent and so if you're telling a story like in Dallas Buyers Club or uh, was it the Dutch girl, the one that um, mm, what's his face mm. from yes. uh, Eddie Redmond? From Fantastic BS like, Yeah, yeah. Like that is a story that is about a trans woman. It, mm. is, it is about that. Who is telling that story? Why, if we are telling that story, are we putting a cisgender dude in that role? That's funny and so I've never considered the Danish girl because in my mind, in my reality, I'm not or yeah, I'm not I'm not entirely convinced Eddie Redmayne is in queer in some way. Maybe you know what I mean? True. Like, but that's my perception but, of like and, and you know what? That could very well be true. Mm-hmm. And you know, certainly, you know, especially like now that we have performers who are openly transitioning. Um, you mm-hmm. know, we have Elliot Page, we have 
you know, people who are now like, oh, Elliot Page shouldn't be allowed to play the character that, you know, he was playing in Umbrella Academy mm-hmm. because that character's written female. And it's like, okay, so like, all right, we're, we're the, the pendulum has swung far, too, way too far the other direction. Mm-hmm. Um, sure. But so, so I guess it's as far as like sexuality goes, if the story is about, if the story you are there to tell is about the gay experience, then you, then I feel, yeah, you should be looking for people who identify as such. If it's a story that like, yes, this character happens to be gay. Okay. You know, if, if you're in a situation where you maybe don't have, you know, if you're that small theater, I don't think you necessarily don't get to tell a story because there is a gay character and by some insane (laughs) circumstance, you don't have a gay person around. Um, (laughs) Small scale theater with, with no gay people is, (laughs) or, you know, like um, personally, like I was in, um, I was in the play, uh, the normal heart, um, Mm -hmm. just Mm -hmm. all it's a cast of gay men. Um, I'm, I identify straight. Um, but I was also like the the only or maybe one of two straight men in that play. So like mm-hmm. I look back at that play and I don't I don't have that dilemma in my head. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Because it's like, oh, I, I take an opportunity from anyone. It was just six gay men in me. You know what I mean? <laughs> like playing this mm-hmm. part. Um playing yeah. you know, in this role. Yeah. And you know. That, that is a, a damn sight different than because like I look back at it and I'm like oh Aaron that was poor decision Tuesday um you know being in fucking last of the Mohicans and I, I'm not trying to slight other people who are in the production there's a lot of really good well-meaning folks involved but I look back and I'm like yes there was not an abundance of Native American people who came out to audition this company probably shouldn't have told that fucking story. Right. Um, but if, yeah, if it's a situation Every summer where it's for like, the past yeah, 10 years. No. I don't know if that was the production that you were in, but <laughs> up here, no. in, upstate New York, <laughs> up here um, in upstate New York, there's a but, company that does that show every year. And it's mm. never cast right. Never, oh. ever, 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 ever. Ever. Maybe I was part of that. I don't know. <laughs> I I don't think they've done it. I think it's since. Like up in maybe. the Adirondacks somewhere. Um, but they okay, they, they had a history. It would they had a history of doing that show very frequently. Um, I think it was like well, done as like historic like. Okay, well, color, color, you know, color me a shitty person. No pun intended <laughs> on using the term color. Um, fuck me. Um, but it's it's. Yeah, if you know, if you're in a production of The Normal Heart and the majority of the people telling this story who want to tell the story, who are compelled to tell the story, are people for whom it resonates and they, it's their story to tell, you know, that's one thing. If it's, if it is a completely all white high school doing it in the Heights, <laughs> that's not your mm-hmm. story and make a better choice find you find your story find your thing to tell and enough of them. and so like you right. know i mean like you if, if you stand in a library full of scripts and you throw a rock yeah. like You're chances kidding. are yeah. good 
chances are good you're gonna hit a play that has a gay character like it, it's just you know it's it, it's everywhere i remember being astonished when i was younger because i was like there's people like me because like mm. all i have is tv and movies and like us queer people aren't allowed and then like i'm reading scripts and i'm like holy shit there's like a gay person in every one of these <laughs> um it is it is a world in a story where a gay person exists but that's not the story being told it was like the stonewall movie that came out where they basically rewrote history and it was like look at this super aryan you know cis gay boy who's the first see the you know the the trans woman of color pick up the brick and hand it to him to throw like fuck you like we all know how it actually went down um like that that's that you got to cast people for whom that's their story i don't know that's my take that's my incredibly long-winded take on it well yeah i guess it comes in down to like is this the the like is this about their journey to coming out and being gay and doing these things or is it just a gay character that's part of a story you know, and that makes it like really important. Like, cause what are you gonna do if you've been cast in this role and then, you know, three seasons in the producer comes to you or the showrunner comes to you and you're and it's like, hey, your character's gay now. And you're like, well, I have to quit because that's not who I am. It's just like, that's hard, right? Like that's how many times has that happened to people, you know, in, in TV and movies that they don't just start off as a gay character and then down the road, they're like, we think there's more to it than that. So now you're gay and it's like, well, I mean, that's a really beautiful story for this character. And there's probably a bunch of people out there rooting for that ship, you know, to sail. And it's like, suddenly they have that representation. So why take that away from them? As opposed to like being like, oh, this character is gay with stories about them being gay. So we need a gay actor for it type thing. And like, I think one of the reasons I love theater so much is I really love theater that makes people uncomfortable and like tells the hard stories and like tells the hard truths and like really gets in people's heads the way that it should because it's a lot of things that you can't do that like aren't done in TV and movies that you could do on stage because you're not like trying to hit a big budget box office, right? Like you're doing it for so many reasons. And I think that like the story being told and on stage and in a theater is so much more real and so much more important, so much more raw because it changes every night, you know, and it changes every time you do it and you feel something else every time you do it. And it's not that stale, like do it this way or we're going to cut and try it again. Like we do it, we just do it. And like when you piss somebody, if somebody gets up and walks out the theater, I did my job. You know <laughs> what I mean? Like I really want like it, those hard truths, you know, and those kinds of things. So like being a trans actor and I would, I just want the, the chance for, to be in a role that, that tells that story, you know? Like if I'm in this community and part of this community and I go to see a show and there's some cis guy standing in there playing a trans man, I'm gonna be pissed. You know, like I've literally lived this life. This is my story. And like, I can get up there and show my scars, like literally show my scars, you know, like, and it touches back to what Aaron said about walking down the street at Pride and, and holding your girlfriend's hand, like me going to Pride with my shirt off, you know, and not having to be afraid because people are hugging me and telling me how brave and great I am. And 
how I'm beautiful and all of these things, you know, because like I was this girl with double D's and now I'm a flat chested man, you know, and it's like this complete 180. And like, I've lived that, like, I'm not gonna, like, you don't have to like put bra, a bra stuff on makeup on my life. Right. Like that's what it is. So if I see this cis man standing up on a stage telling my story, like when I'm here available to tell it myself, you know, it's like, it's kind of a, you know, slap in the face. And, you know, like, um, I know that, that we all mutually have the theater experience. Um, and I know that, that there's a lot of artistry in other ways amongst this group as well. Um, one of the, one of the art forms that I'm super into and, dear God, I can't wait until COVID is done because I, I just want to get back at it, is burlesque. And I absolutely love burlesque because burlesque is kind of like pride every day. Because um, <laughs> it's it's like, if you're the person who is body shaming somebody or being like, what you're doing is too mask or too femme or whatever, like, you will just get pounced on. Like, fuck mm-hmm. you. Yeah. Um but the, the thing that I absolutely adore most about burlesque, and I, I imagine that for, you know, maybe stand-up comics or people who are doing one-person shows, it's a similar sort of experience, is it's an art form where all it is is your story. You're, you are the architect of all of it. I mean, we all have imposter syndrome for various reasons. I'm sure we all experience it. And I I know that for a lot of queer people, especially people who are trans, who are non-binary, there's always that, am I I masculine enough? Am I feminine enough? Am I androgynous enough? Funny side note, one of my burlesque names is actually Titus Androgynous. But... um, nerds um (laughs) i love when people get it the thing that i love about that art form in particular is a the question of gender and sexuality and all of these things being on a spectrum has long been understood in that art form and has been an outlet because it's it is default taboo because it involves nudity or usually does sometimes it doesn't because it's just going to be something that, you know, the people who are going to give you shit for it not being family oriented enough, like they're going to stay the fuck away. There's more freedom to that. And so it's, it's such a refreshing art form because even in the, the relatively open, understanding, liberal community, still there's the, the idea of maybe we don't have to worry about like being able to sell movies in China kind of budget and concerns, but you know, there's also the, we've got the patrons who are 84 years old, but they've got a decent amount of money and they don't want to see that on that stage. So maybe we need to kind of like, you can, you can do it. But like, if you're, if you're trans, like you need to pass quote unquote, and I Mm -hmm. fucking hate that term, but um it's there there's there's still that gatekeeping there's still Mm -hmm. that shit and i'm sure it exists in pockets of burlesque as well nobody can tell you you don't have the right to tell that story because it's your fucking story it it is inherently your story inherently your truth it's it that that and like visual art 
allows for that as well. You know, when it's, when it's that almost insulary art style, um, I, I, I appreciate the freedom of that kind of art form where no one can gatekeep you because it's your fucking gate, you know, yeah. <laughs> like mm-hmm. get your hands off my gate. I really appreciate uh, both of you coming on to this podcast uh, today and sharing your stories with us. Um, it's been real good. <laughs> it is, <laughs> it's, it's been, uh, I think this is one of the, the highlights of doing this podcast for me up and up till now. Um, so yeah, thank, thank you. you. Genuinely. Thank you both for coming on today and, and just kind of talking to us. Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah, definitely. Um, it's, it's greatly appreciated. Shane and I didn't know what to even expect from doing this. Uh, again, we've, this part of our season, we've definitely broken the mold and, and, and changed up the formula, but this is probably, um, the first time we did it in a way where we didn't know what to expect or, you know, if, if it was going to break the show, but <laughs> I don't think it did. <laughs> I don't think I mean, it did I, at all. I kind of hope we maybe dented it a little. Well, yeah, yeah I mean, a little like damage a is always good, right? A little mark. It's a, it's a little bit, <laughs> yeah. you know. There's a, there's a community of people that appreciate a little bit of pain. Again, thank you. Thank you so much. Uh, we really appreciate it. Um, Aaron Wallet, Jesse Donovan, um, do you have any do you have any forward-facing uh, social medias that you would like people to check out? Um, no. You can yes. find me on Twitter and Instagram at oh. Captain Hammer Twenty Two. Taking it back to the Whedon verse that like we really like are crushed nice. by. But um, so that's both my Twitter and Instagram handle. If you want to go, I do. I did post a lot about. I'm getting back into posting a lot about being trans on my Instagram. I did take it off for a while because of um, because of being a teacher. And then I was like, you know what? I don't care anymore. Like mm-hmm. I'm not doing any, if you are going to sit here and tell me that my transness is inappropriate, I don't want to work here anyway. Good for you. Like, so if these students find me and like, they're like, oh my God, Mr. Donovan is trans. Like, well, yeah, he is actually. So I'm not going to be something that I'm not. So I do try to be forward with who I am on social media and things like that. And uh, so, yeah. I suck at social media. Um <laughs> So uh, my, my deviation into talking about burlesque, um, I actually have my own burlesque company with my girlfriend, Kate. Yeah, yeah. Um, shout out, give, it a, give yourself a little Yeah, shout out. yeah. She is very much our social media person because I will go, you know, three weeks without checking something and, and somebody's like, oh, did you see what they posted on your wall? And I'm like, what? What wall? What's a wall? What, like, somebody, somebody put Who's shit on my house? house? You know? Um, <laughs> Who did it? Um, so I, I, uh, the only thing I can offer is um, if you try to find me on social media, uh, my last name is pronounced Willette, but it starts with an O. So good luck. If you want to track down two penny nerd lesk on Facebook and Instagram, I think we're on Instagram. Um, that's cool. Um, if anybody reaches out to you guys and is like, hey, you know, can can you ask that asshole from the gender episode a question like mike mike's got my email address and stuff and so <laughs> you'd send it along just be like yeah ask the asshole that, that that'll be my my handle um i will yeah. warn people that i do enjoy bass fishing a lot 
So there's a lot of bass fishing on my Instagram, which is probably the most masculine I'll ever be in my life. <laughs> and the most like Southern redneck thing that I will do. I love it's like, the hooks and like, fish's mouths. I, I did it. I like, I like fishing and beer. So I'm a man now. <laughs> well, again, thank you, Aaron. Thank you, Jesse, for coming on and doing this with us today. And yeah, this has been, it's been really great. And we really appreciate you. And thank you guys for having me. Yeah, let's bring you back sometime. Yeah. Absolutely. Sounds awesome. Can... That, and and I got to meet Jesse. That's very exciting. Yeah. That's awesome. You're a cool dude. Thank you. You're I enjoyed this Yay. immensely. And uh, this has been a lot of fun. Yeah, thank it's you. good to see the faces of these beautiful men again and to meet someone new. So it's been yeah. great. <laughs> Thank you for sticking with us through this long episode. Uh, you can catch us on Facebook at facebook.com slash active listeners pod. And you can also catch us on Twitter at at act list pod, A-C-T-L-I-S-T-P-O-D. And join in the conversation. Peace. If you like what you hear, leave us a rating. And if you really like what you hear and you want to support the show, go to patreon.com slash active listeners pod and become a patron. Our theme music, It's a Trap, was created by Remodel. Thanks for listening.